title is not something you can just jump in and get trained in two weeks and all of a sudden you're very proficient at it. Yeah. It's, it's a very, very detailed, in-depth industry. And so it takes years and years mm-hmm. and years to learn what a lot of our people have learned. Welcome to Agent Success Podcast. If you're a real estate agent looking to succeed in today's crazy market, well, you're in the right place. Each week, we talk with successful real estate agents willing to share their expert insights, trade secrets, and mindset that help them to succeed. There's no fluff, just straight to the point content that prioritizes one thing above all, your success. So without further ado, let's cut to the chase. Welcome, welcome. Another episode of agentsuccesspodcast.com. I have a very special guest today, and uh, my special guest has a lot of great information for real estate agents. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, Tim. Thanks for uh, the introduction, and thanks for letting me be here. I'm Brian Cooper, president and owner of Core Title Group here in Colorado. Okay, Core Title Group. How long have you been in business? Well, if uh, our agency's been in business since 1992, okay, Core Title Group, as far as the name, just a few months here. Oh, that's exciting. That's recent. Yep, that's exciting. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, uh, a lot of people do business um, with you over the years. And can you give us a little idea of why? Why did you start Core? Why was it important to start um, what what you started? Well, you know, I think in most industries and a lot of companies talk about the business being all about the people. Our industry certainly is. Yeah. And our company certainly is. And it's uh, it comes down to relationships and trust. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to bring back the local into their industry as yeah. far as local title production, local decision making, local answers, uh, face-to-face decisions. And so the... Um, we started core title based on core values. Yeah. If you oh, really that's want interesting. To get is, that, is that where the name comes from? That's where the name comes from. Okay, yeah. nice. I Came like up that. with 80 some odd names and was reading something and, and <laughs> read that and thought, that's it. It's real nice. simple. Nice. So <clears throat> in order to really, truly um, just get back to a one-on-one day-to-day mm-hmm. basis, that's why we went that Okay. Route. Now, one thing that's interesting with when you say local is it seems like our industry is Everybody, everybody likes to use the word local, right? Like, hey, we are, we're a local lender. We're a local realtor. We're your local title company. But behind that local, it always seems like you, it's, it's like, I always refer to it as like Walmart saying that you're your local grocery store. They're definitely not your local grocery store. Um, they run all their operations somewhere in the country, and you just happen to be an employee locally. And being truly local to me is very different. So if you work for a big bank, a big title company, a big real estate company, and you you are subject to the corporate overlords, so to speak, right? Then that's not real local. How do they know specifically in Colorado Springs in Brian's network, what do they need, right? Why, what do, you know, what does the local people need that uh, a big company can't necessarily provide? And now you're able to jump in and provide that uh, on a truly local basis. So where, where do you have your offices now? Well, that's very well said, actually. Um, so we are, uh, we've got two offices in Colorado Springs, mm-hmm. off of Voyager and Jetstream on the north end, mm-hmm. downtown, um, off of Swatch in Colorado. We're in Woodland Park for now, and we're in Canyon City for now. Okay. But we cover all 64 Colorado counties. Okay, nice. So um, when you open a title company, and, you know, I actually see uh, real estate companies, uh, I I have different opinions about it, but they try to do joint ventures with title. They try to do joint ventures with mortgage companies. I'm not, uh, and I've, I've looked into this with places. I'm not a huge fan of them doing it. And what I have found is quite often, even with on the mortgage side, those joint ventures end up failing, right? Or they, they end up being like, well, I want to, I want to 
own the mortgage company or I want to own a title company. I want a piece of the pie, I, whatever. And, I, and whatever their reason for that is, more control, whatever it is, oftentimes those end up failing. They don't realize the amount of work that actually goes into running a successful title company or a successful you know, mortgage company. So that can be very challenging. And I see a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, real estate companies, at least talking about it, you know, talking about doing it. So would you mind telling me, what do you think the, if you were to start a new title company, which you just did, what is, what is the, what is a couple challenges that, that maybe are unforeseen or very difficult that, that you've had to overcome? Now, understanding you've done this for, you know, two decades. Three sure. Decades, well, so. and, and first of all, to touch on your first comment there, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. <clears throat> we get approached on a regular basis. Yeah. And if they're done right and they're done effectively and, and yeah. um, uh, everything It can be struck, successful. It, it can be. But the problem is um, our business is based on volume. Mm-hmm. And a lot of uh, the broker owners or the realtors who get involved with them, think it's as simple as sitting back and collecting a distribution check. Yeah. And they don't understand always that there are losses, there are claims, and this comes out of your profits, <laughs> and it can hit you really hard and really fast, yeah. and all of a sudden there's a capital call. Yeah. And it's a lot of work with what we do. And mm-hmm. there's brick and mortar, and there's it's um, our industry is not easy yeah. at all. Yeah. So as far as a startup, it's, you, you know, it's pretty humbling the last few months here because obviously you need the, your, your your computers your printers the you know your desks and that kind of thing but when you get right down to um, actually getting your office ready with microwaves and <laughs> refrigerators <laughs> and that kind of trash yeah. cans but ultimately you know what we do um, why we're not really a startup is we had title production wire department recording department fraud department already up and running completely yeah, through yeah. a partnership. Those at the base of what we do are the most important things mm. by far. Okay, interesting. Yeah. You know, uh, you and I, uh, you, you, we were eating Chipotle the other day, and I mentioned to you that I walked past when you guys first opened, and I just made the comment, hey, I saw about eighty or $90,000 worth of computers sitting there. Uh, it's, it, it is not, to do it properly, it is not a cheap endeavor. Right, it's it's a very expensive endeavor to do it to do it correctly. So, um, why why then would so as a real estate agent because we're all about realtors we're all on the show, right? AgentSuccessPodcast.com, right. all about real estate agents and getting down to what actually makes them successful. What do you think um, for a real estate agent? What should they look at in a title company? Not I'm, not JVs. That was just a, that was just a little comment. Like actually working with the title company, right? What is important because. If you look at it, it's kind of like, do I call Geico or do I call Progressive? They all offer, mm-hmm. they, they, they offer insurance. So right, right. What, what is it? What, what do they? What do they need to ask? Well, number one, I think you want to know who you're working with, mm-hmm. and is there a local decision maker? Meaning what? what can you if explain? There's, uh, you know, say a closing is blowing up for whatever reason. I don't. I've never believed everything in our business is black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean you you um, do something under the table or do something wrong. But sometimes you've got to get all the facts in front of you, make a decision on going forward with the closing, mm-hmm. and how you structure it. And if the company you're working for has the ability to weigh that out and work it out right then and there and get that closing taken care of and make sure all parties are taken care of. To me, that's really important. If there is a claim, if there is some kind of a loss, who are you dealing with? Are you dealing with that person right there? Are you dealing with somebody 14 states away? Mm-hmm. Are the claims going to be handled and so forth? Yeah. Is that is that particular title company well-staffed? Yeah. 
Mm. Our industry, uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's very driven by the personnel. So there tends to be, you know, you get seasonality or interest rates go up and, and orders drop. There tends to be a lot of layoffs. So when you call in, are you getting voicemail or are you getting a real person? So like this last November, as an example, we jumped up half a point. Right. In, in interest rates or quarter point, just in, in a little short stretch or just take the last you know, two years as, as an example. Right. right. Um, all of a sudden you go from you go from refi purge, like everything's going crazy to all of a sudden there's zero refis. Right. Refis, they literally just go away and maybe they'll come back. But are you you know, are you staffed enough to handle that? Are you staffed enough to understand that seasonality, as you mentioned? Right. To understand like, hey. Sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's slow, but we got to be able to we got to be able to handle that. Well, we you know we've always that's a really good question. We've always run things I feel a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, title is not something you can just jump in and get trained in two weeks and all of a sudden you're very proficient at it. Yeah, it's it's a very very detailed in depth industry, and so it takes years and years mm-hmm. and years to learn what a lot of our people have learned. We're very blessed because the majority of our people have been with us for 15, 20 plus years. Yeah, yeah, and in the industry for twenty five, thirty years. Mm. And when you're, uh, when these people are dealing, when all of a sudden the market drops and you start getting rid of all these people and then it picks up, you're starting all over again. So where we've run a little bit differently is, I don't feel like we've always got to be at a certain profit margin monthly. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm going into too, too much depth. No, for no, it. no. Yeah, I have great. no problem taking care of our people if we just break it even for a while. Yeah. Because we've got the best people in the industry and we're yeah. going to take care of them. Then when it does pick up. You know, you, you your team, them. we retain them. We don't miss a beat with customer service. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fantastic. So what else should a real estate agent ask other than, you know, are you local? Are you, um, you know, how, how do you, does your operation run? Who's the, who's the final decision maker? Does Brian sit in the back of the office and he can make that final decision? Or like you said, are they 14 states away? What else should a real estate agent ask when asking, you know, when they go, they, you know, there's, there's, I don't know, seven, eight different title companies in town. What else should they be asking to determine who they should be working with? Uh, you know, a lot of companies, and I'm not knocking by any means, but a lot of companies in our industry have one underwriter. We have multiple underwriters, mm-hmm. um, which allows us to close more. Every now and then you'll have a particular real estate situation where the underwriter will go, absolutely not, we can't close it because of this, this, and that. Yeah, We have the ability to bounce it off of another one or two underwriters. Mm-hmm. And the other one go, yeah, we don't have an issue with that. Structure it this way and move forward. So you have that one underwriter that, and we do this in, in lending as well, you get that one underwriter, it's like, eh, I'm not comfortable. Let's have the, They know. might have been burned on it at one point <laughs> in some states, right. so they're not doing it. Uh, I think the other thing is, tell me about your leadership team. Mm. I mean, our leadership team at CORE we don't have our, our cultures. They're not sitting behind big desks firing out orders. Yeah. Our leadership team uh, jumps in. They're right in the front lines with everybody else. And I walked in your office down there, and uh, like I was mentioning the other day, it feels very open. You have a big space where you have a, you know multiple desks, and then all the offices just surround that. So ever it's 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 a team type environment in there as opposed to. Um, Everybody spaced out everywhere. That concept works really well for us. Yeah. There's just there's you know sometimes it gets a little loud, mm-hmm. but there's energy, there's laughter, and that yeah. tends to carry right over into the phone calls and right into the closing. Do, do you think it's important uh, when uh, a realtor is asking about different title companies? Do you think it's important that the closer has an assistant? Does that matter? 
Absolutely, 100%. Okay. A lot of our industry has gone away from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had two meetings this morning, as a matter of fact. <clears throat> we typically have a, a one-to-one ratio, one closer, one assistant. Mm-hmm. But we watch their order counts, and if they start creeping up there, we will add back in support or another assistant to them. Mm. Okay. Because when you call in, Tim, you're calling for your clients. You don't want to go to voicemail. You don't yeah. want to wait four hours it's very for very frustrating to have that happen. Or when you're, whoever you're closing with is in a closing mm-hmm. or off that day, um, out to lunch, we want that phone answered. We want that whoever's answering. Have an actual, ha- access have an actual exactly. Have Absolutely. Actual information as opposed to, well, I don't know. You know. No, if you're not first, you're last. I mean, that's the bottom yeah. line. People, yeah. when you need it, you need it now. That's interesting because it does, it does feel like a lot of title companies get away from the assistant. And I've, I've said it for years that having that assistant there is very important because your closer is going to be in a closing. Your closer is going to be you know, balancing something. They're going to be talking to a client. They're going to be, they're, they're, they have a zillion things that they're doing that will completely consume their whole day. And having that person that is deeply involved in full access to their stuff and they're just there right. all the time. Right. It's, it's huge. It's hey, massive. to take a step further, we like people at our front desk. Yeah. A real professional. Yeah. When you walk in with your clients, we want them greeted. Yeah. Would you like coffee? Would you like yeah. a soda? Yeah. You got, yeah. And, uh, uh, having that when somebody walks that first initial impression, as opposed to, am I supposed to be here? What's, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> what's oh, going yeah. on here? Yeah. You know? Um, so, uh, with real estate agents, let's, let's just jump into a couple other things that title does. Okay. How important are, so some title companies do classes. I know you guys have a classroom. Um, how important are classes to title? Uh, meaning I know it's not a moneymaker, right? It's more of a service and probably consumes time and resources and everything else. Why do title companies then offer things like CE classes? Um, First of all, many of them don't. Mm -hmm. Um, Some do. We take it very, very seriously. It's a part of what we do. Yeah. Um, We call it core university. Mm -hmm. And uh, number one, we feel like it's a value add to our current clients. Okay. If we can keep helping them become better and better to serve the consumer, then that's a value add. If we can help them become more productive, that's a value add. In addition, uh, people who wouldn't have had exposure to us or closed with us, it puts us face-to-face with them, and then now we're adding value to somebody else, and our business has grown that way. Uh, that's interesting that you mentioned value add. That is, um, I think, uh, a largely missed piece of our industry is we, we first off, we think we add value to our referral partners, but... In reality, we just give them shiny objects or apps or this or that, things that don't truly add value to them. Whereas you can step in and say, hey, we have, like as an example, our, our university, and we and you bring in legit teachers to come in and, and do stuff. It's, uh, I think it's a, a, missed, a missed thing that a lot of companies you know, you know, don't do or don't do very well. Right. Uh, they're behind the times. They, they, they just don't approach it as a let me give, and then only then can I expect to receive. Right? I have, I have, right. I have to provide value to you before I can expect anything in right. return. Right. Um, so a couple more quick questions. Um, what do you think as a, as a, t- how long have you been in this now? You've been in, like, is oh, your second 30, year of business? Yeah. Uh, oh, 33, 34 years. 33 years. Okay. So I have my opinions on this and a lot of realtors have their opinions on this. And we, we talk to a lot of very successful realtors, but I'm curious your thoughts. What, is the number one reason agents fail? <laughs> that is such a good question. To me, that's the best question you can ask, and it's the one question that 
people rarely ask. Yeah. Um, and doing it as long as I've done it, I mean, there's, there's a few things. Number one, I think a lot of realtors go into it and they don't have the savings. They don't have mm. the financial wherewithal. It's expensive to get in. Built up. They yeah. need to understand yeah. you could probably have to have at least 12 months reserve just in case things don't take off quickly. Yeah. And I think uh, the industry needs to tell them that more up front. Mm-hmm. Number two, I think there's a myth, there has been a myth that you can jump in and work a few hours a week and make six figures mm-hmm. overnight. And that's just simply not the case. Thanks a lot, HGTV. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, number three, there's a lack of professionalism. Okay. Number four, there's a lack of work ethic as opposed to treating it as a real career showing up. Yeah. I'm going to be there at 7 a.m. or 7.30 or 8 or 8.30, right. whatever it is, and work until this time. And then lastly, I'd say there's a lack of systems and processes. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> and then probably most importantly, the lack of prospecting. It's so, much easier to do social media yeah. or send emails or sit back and, and you know, busy can be the, the absolute enemy of production. Yeah, yeah. It's easier to, to do all those things that where somebody can't tell you no yeah, yeah. versus being on the phone prospecting and actually don't prospect yeah yeah well that's that's interesting uh i would say 90 percent of what you said comes down to it's a job right like if you're going to work at a factory you got to be there at eight and you're not going to get off till five the lunch bill the whistle goes at noon right and right and you're expected so much production and if you're falling behind then you need to increase your personal efficiencies to make sure that that production is happening um and i think a lot of real estate agents like you said they they get into it because it's, it's, it's can be a very fun and very rewarding job. But all the people that we interview and we talk to on here, I mean, they all are in it all day, right? And mm-hmm. they start their day with a plan. Almost all the successful ones that I've talked to, they, they're going to start their day with a plan. And they're going to know what they're going to be doing the next, the next week, the next day, whatever it is. They know that when I have my downtime, I do this. I prospect. I call past clients. I call them on their birthdays. I call them on anniversaries, and they stick with that consistency. Right, right. And it's it's amazingly effective to stick with consistency. It's like people go to the gym, uh, and you do uh, you go to the gym and you work you know super hard and you're pumped up and it's uh, a new idea for you and you stick it out for. 45 days, you know, you're going to be stronger than you were 45 days ago, but it's not super sustainable. If you could be consistent and you go to the gym every morning at 630 and you only go for 25 minutes, but you do it every single morning, you will become very fit and you become very strong, right? Oh, absolutely. And I just think that they oftentimes miss that. And that's why there's a small percentage of realtors that absolutely crush it. And, and independent people who, you know, they're not on a big team, but they are absolutely with consistency. Yeah. There's a book called Atomic Habits. You've probably yeah, read yeah. it knowing you, but yeah. uh, I mean, it's doing the things you don't want to do on the days you don't want to do them. <laughs> yeah. We'll get you there with consistency. Yeah. Yeah. Because most people won't. We've had, uh, I can't remember the name. Some company came in and, and, you know, wanted to interview us and do this big video. And, you know, how are you guys so magical? How have you done what you've done? And so we're, there's nothing magical about it. We just do the things. We just work. Yeah. Yeah, that's you just a, get in the trenches. You just do what most it, people don't want to do. Tell you the magic is having a plan and, and yeah. doing it. Like, yeah, like success show, sneaks up, up on nobody. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. Well, I, I look at it like credit scores. <laughs> your you know your your credit score doesn't fall to a four hundred in one day. It's consistent behaviors, and your credit right. score doesn't go to eight hundred in one day. It's consistent behaviors, right. right? And the same thing with your with your uh, 
work. Now, I'm going to ask you a couple title questions just for clarity for people. Sure. Okay. Um, in, in a really short manner, what the heck is title insurance? Like in a condi- like condense it all the way down to like to to, to like a, a one or two minute like what what okay. what, what really um, is title I could probably insurance? do it less than that. So okay. title insurance is different than property and casualty insurance in the sense that if somebody's closing on a home today, we're insuring from today backwards that they have clear title. Okay, that there was no fraud. That it's the current seller's home to sell to you. Mm-hmm. That there's no encroachments. That there aren't any issues as far as that's concerned. And it protects, um, it really protects the largest investment, typically, of a person's lifetime. On the surface, that sounds like a dangerous policy to write. Uh, from from a, from outside perspective, I'm going to guarantee that 50 years ago, somebody didn't do something. That sounds like a dangerous policy to write, right? But well, I guess with technology and everything involved, it... But the, the, there's a lot. I mean, it, it's... There's brick and mortar, there's technology, there's people, there's, you mm-hmm. know, we, we have to pay a ton of money into uh, yeah. data because yeah. it's got to be constantly kept up. Yeah. And there's so much fraud concern in our industry. I, I, our staff knows every single phone call that comes in, every email that comes in, you better assume that it's fraudulent. That That is so crazy. It's, and I want to touch on that in a second. Let me finish my title thing. I'm going to come in, come into the fraud because that is a huge thing that a lot of real estate agents need to be very aware of and getting it directly from someone who's lived it for the last 15 years, right? 15 years, meaning that's when I, I feel it's gotten maybe in the last 10 years gotten a lot stronger. Yeah, I right? agree. Um, so let's go back to what title is. So you insure a house going backwards. Correct. Like you didn't have, Oh, sorry about that. Uh, somebody, somebody wants to talk to me on my phone. I didn't turn my phone <laughs> off. Don't delete this off the podcast. We'll leave it on there. It's real life, right? So, so you delete the title going backwards. Um, what if, or have you ever seen, what, what if something were to happen that wasn't filed? Like, there's no way for you to have known that, you know, Sue told her daughter, wrote it down on a piece of paper that you get my house or I'm giving you 50% ownership of my house and the daughter didn't do anything about it you know, for 20 years, is that a, rea- a real potential problem? Well, no, because uh, number one, Sue or yeah. whoever that was that you yeah. just mentioned yeah. really wouldn't have any ground to stand on. Okay. <clears throat> number two, if it's not a public record, we would have no way of knowing. We'd have no way of insuring something like that. Okay. So uh, if that were to happen, that would be a lawsuit that wouldn't impact that? No. That work. Yeah, wouldn't. Okay. Interesting. All yeah. right. Yeah. Um, the other part that I'm curious about that a lot of people miss is when we, when as a, as a loan company, um, you know, we get title insurance on a, on a loan. We get a lender's policy. But it feels like the most important thing, at least to the client, even though that insurance policy is definitely the most important thing, is the closing. From my understanding, closing is just simply an add-on convenience that title companies provide. Right, because you could really close. Uh, some states have to close attorneys, or yeah, what, yeah. whatever the case may be. So you guys aren't a closing company. You're a you're an insurance company selling title insurance for a house that has the added convenience. It'd be like going to a an old gas station and they you know squeegee your windows and check your uh, check your tire pressure. Sure, right. Sure. Is that kind of accurate? Yeah, but if you go back, uh, I don't know the time frame, probably forty years or so. Uh, 
you know, a lot of the brokers used to do their own closings. And uh, there are some states that are uh, escrow states. I think of Arizona and California, California where yeah. really the, the title and the escrow are separate. So mm-hmm. we provide the title insurance <clears throat> and we do the closings where you've got a third kind of uninterested party, if you will, um, coordinating the closing, almost like an air traffic controller. Yeah. Looking yeah. out for the best interest of, uh, you know, the transaction mm-hmm. overall with the lender, the buyers, the sellers, the realtors involved. Okay. That kind of thing. So and it's a lot. <clears throat> it's so much more work than anybody would guess. Yeah. Because when you show up at the closing table, most people say, "Oh, she's he or she has a file, and here's some documents to sign." And but but what it took yeah. to get up to that point is it's, endless hours in some cases. It's it's working it's, through issues that the people at the table would have no what, idea. What are the hardest transactions for you guys <clears throat> when it comes to not not necessarily most expensive, but the most challenging? Is it you know, raw land, uh, you know, apartment buildings, uh, someplace with multiple liens, like, like what presents the biggest amount of work or challenge for title? Uh, that's a good question. I think, you know, we, we do, we are involved with both residential and commercial. Mm-hmm. Typically the residential, there's much more invo- emotion involved yeah. than commercial. Yeah. I think the biggest challenge for us is if the realtors guiding the transaction aren't fully engaged Mm -hmm. and on top of everything that can create issues Mm. if that makes sense yeah i mean you could have 10 land deals or 10 residential deals or 10 commercial deals and they can go extremely easy and smooth or they can be very challenging just based on who's involved and the parties involved so what would uh let's take let's take the people out of it uh meaning meaning the realtors in your experience, what what would be the most like? What is a challenging one that you've personally seen? Has it been, um, you know, like, like I'll give you an example. I, I did one up in uh, Manitou, and I don't know if you guys did the title on it. I can't remember who the title company was, but it it was, uh, you know, Manitou's a weird place, right? They, they, got, they didn't have any rules for a long time, yeah, and then all yeah. of a sudden they throw some rules in. Then an upstairs and a downstairs, um, two different units. But then when they were doing the title, uh, the staircase, and I don't know how they found it, but the staircase coming out of the second unit actually lands across the property line in the neighbor's That's yard. That's an encroachment issue. And nobody knew about it for the last, you know, whatever, 60 years or something. And then right. all of a sudden the guy who owns this, he's like, wait a minute, I own your stairs. And then it was a lot of back and forth. Do you guys, uh, do you guys have any in particular that you could tell me about that would be more challenging than another? Well, you know, anytime there's an encroachment issue or an access issue, mm-hmm. uh, we had one not too long ago where somebody owned uh, a home and a lot, mm-hmm. and the lot next to them, another neighbor had purchased, mm-hmm. and their access went through that lot oh. for the last 40-some-odd years. Yeah. And, you know, if, if the neighbors got along, it'd be one thing, but in this case they didn't Hmm. so that became a real battle really between them as to how i own this property but i can't get to it i have no access yeah um so that became uh you know what are you going to offer me to to purchase it type of deal yeah then more on the escrow side we recently closed one where the situation this poor couple uh, gosh 14 or 15 years ago yeah took out an equity line of credit and they paid it off but they Mm -hmm. had no proof of paying it off the uh, husband passed away. Mm-hmm. The wife is in an elderly home, and this equity line of credit is still showing up on. They title. never took the lien off. And the lender at the time is no longer exists. 
Oh my gosh. So that leaves you to robot. And that really goes back to probably our original conversation yeah. where we were able to get one of our underwriters explaining everything and knowing the parties involved yeah. to close it. Holy cow. So that's a, that's a very real situation. Yeah. Wow. And having that on a local level where we know, okay, this kind of stuff happens in this part of town or this or that, or this underwriter is more comfortable because they've done this before in this area or whatever right. the case may be. Well, going back to, Man- you know, if you look at Manitou, for instance, yeah. your point was, was spot on mm-hmm. or parts in Black Forest where mm-hmm. there were some access issues. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the lots are dicey, and uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like a, a simple lot in Block and Briargate, for instance. Yeah, yeah. where it's yeah. a nice development, and you know exactly where everything's at. Right, and, yeah. right. Yeah. I saw an apartment. Uh, no, sorry, it wasn't an apartment. It was, a, it was a store on Ruxton in Manitou. It's like going up towards the incline. Yeah. And on that, uh, I go in, and I'm looking at the, looking at the property. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. And, you know, I, I walk to the back. There's like a back storage area. And I looked down, and the wood planks had, you know, gaps between them. But what I'd realized, the storage area was built with stilts going over the creek. And so so you look down, and you're like, hold on a second. Is this, like, what, what, what's going Like, ah, there was no building codes when they did it, and everything, no. got, everything got grandfathered in. So I was like, oh, not so sure it's this is part a, of the experience. <laughs> part, part of the Manitou experience, yep, right? Yep. Right. Can we touch on fraud really quickly? We have a, sure. a, we're about the thirty minute mark, but I'd like to touch. I'd like to touch on it, okay? Because it's something. As a lender, we've we've seen it. We've run across it, and it is it is very uh, <coughs> very sophisticated, and sometimes it's actually very elementary uh, in how they do it. But it can be very sophisticated in that when somebody is able to to take your wire and they're transferring it to, you know, they're bouncing between different accounts and then they're splitting it up overseas and you're never going to see that hundred grand again, right? It's gone. Um, What measures should a real estate agent take when talking to them? We've had, we've had real estate agents, emails, you know, Gmail accounts be hacked and all kinds of stuff. And then they're sending stuff from the, from their Gmail account to the client seen all kinds of stuff. So what, what measures should a real estate agent take to make sure that their clients are very safe when it comes to wire fraud? Cause it's a, it's a very, it's a very real thing that we've experienced at our company. Oh yeah. It's not going away. Yeah. It's, I mean, the problem starts, Tim, guys like you and I'll talk about mm-hmm. it for a few minutes here and a few minutes there, but bad guys, this is what they do 24 yeah, seven. Yeah. I mean, they're already six months ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Of what is about to come. Yeah. So, um, we will absolutely not email wiring instructions. Okay. Realtors really need to, uh, and lenders, the whole industry needs to, to really express to the consumer right up front, do not take anything from email. If you get, if and you get wire instructions on email, don't. It's, no, it's, even if it, if, even if it appears to be coming from you, Tim, yeah. or what, somebody on your amazing staff mm-hmm. or from the realtor, you have to, I would tell them right up front, assume it's been hacked. That's okay. not, cause I would never send you anything like that. Okay. And secondly, you can't count on, um, voicemail either anymore yeah. with AI, artificial intelligence. Uh, right? yeah, there was a loss in, <laughs> in Texas not too long ago where somebody duplicated the closer's voice, left a message for a consumer. Amazing. And of course, they it sounded just exactly like him, very sincere, very real. They emailed the money, gone. You can get a, you can get a local phone number on a VoIP system very easy. Um, you can, uh, yeah, the, have you messed with any of that AI stuff with voice? It's... It's shocking. It's, it's spooky. Yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy. You have um, to assume you you literally have, and not to be negative, yeah. but you literally have to assume every call, every email it's has fraud tied to it. Yeah, 
Because so, there's more, and people, people, Tim, think that oh, that'll never happen to me. Yeah. I can tell you, I won't mention the area, but one of the small communities that we uh, we work in, it yeah. happened twice to the same person. Oh. In a very small community. Fool the me other once. thing is, you know, the <laughs> brokers that aren't using secured and encrypted email yeah. um, are setting themselves up for potential yeah. issues. Well, that's where we've seen that. Is yeah. it's, it's that's I mean, where we, we've seen it a couple of times on some, some usually the bad guy breaks in through something to do with social media yeah right a consumer's on there excited saying oh my gosh we close on mm. our new yeah, home yeah, yeah. coming up january you know 30th and here's pictures of it and yeah. all of a sudden they start working their way in yeah i'd like to thank my real estate agent and yeah everything yeah. else yeah yeah very that's and actually you'd, you'd be able to really dig you know through just through public access of like even zillow and everything get a lot of information from, oh, from absolutely. Yeah. Again, this is what they do twenty four seven. So how? So then, how does the how does the client get if if we're not going to accept email and accept I assume text as well? How do they get those wire instructions and how do they confirm that it's? Well, it's usually face to face. It's through our title work when we deliver the title work. It's mm-hmm. if I have you on the phone and I know it's you mm-hmm. and you've got your uh, client on the phone, that type of thing. Okay. Um, so it's a direct and direct. We, we conversation. have to be very strict, and some people could look at it as poor customer service because hey, I need it now. And yeah, yeah. But we would be we wouldn't be looking out for their best interest if we did that. So I I tried this a while back because it had seemed to be coming more more relevant right when i when i did this but what i decided to do is i on a wire transfer i transferred a hundred dollars now i had to pay an extra thirty dollar transfer fee or whatever your bank calls you know charges for that right and then i called and confirmed that it landed everything was good and then we duplicated those same wire instructions and then sent the whole the whole lot of money after that smart um can you think of any other you know any other things checks and balances i mean would would a would a certified check be better than a wire? Like, what would you recommend? Yeah, I mean, if it's a certified check and we have it well in advance of the, for the closing, mm-hmm. where we have time for it to clear and mm-hmm. that kind of thing and verify funds, yeah, um, obviously more yeah. safe. Yeah, okay. Than a wire. You hate to say that, but that's that's what it's become. Yeah, that's what it's come to. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Any other points you want to mention on the on the fraud? Uh, just always be aware. Always be alert. Yeah. Know who you're dealing with, yeah. know who you're working with. So, Our, you know, uh, you know what, what happens is if we have, if we get an incl- inclination that mm-hmm. there's a wire fraud, yeah. our team will stop everything and automatically get a hold, start tracking down the lenders because now you're racing the clock. Yep. And we've had this happen where we've been able to catch it going from one bank to the other or prior to it lately yeah. and freeze it. Yeah, we had, at least we had have time to well. try to work with it. But if you're not working with the right people mm-hmm. who are banking with the right banks that has that ability, then that's a concern. We we had, we had one where it landed <clears throat> at a national, you know, kind of a national bank. I won't mention any names to protect the innocent, but um, they have local branches, and that's where the wire went. We called, and they said, "No, we can't do anything about it. It's already the, it, we've we've already initiated a wire." I said, "Well, no, you can stop it. Like you can absolutely stop a wire if it hasn't been said. No, no, no. You uh, and then it lands in another bank. The teller at the other bank. Somebody goes into this bank is in Texas um, because this is where it landed. Right? It's in another bank. Um, a person came in uh, to and requested a wire transfer in person at that bank in Texas. The teller." thought it seemed suspicious she asked her manager to look at it a couple things happened they were able they were able and this was this was our client right they were able to stop it right there and they said well we have to put a we have to put a two-day freeze on this to verify 
the person leaves the leaves the bank and sure enough they were able to refund it was like 40 grand or something i was able to mm-hmm. refund it back to the client but it's uh racing the clock is a yeah that's, that's real money yeah i think you know two more things tim uh you know number one a lot of uh people in our industry mm-hmm. we work off of our phone yeah sometimes you're sitting at a stoplight and although yeah. you shouldn't we're checking an email mm-hmm. and yep. you're not seeing if that signature line is off a little bit from whoever sent it Yep. And then the other thing is we coach our staff all the time is fishing attempts. Yep. Don't ever open up something that you don't know who it's from for sure. Yeah. Well, and and with that, so we had uh we had we got somebody cloned our our website one time and they did 719 lendings plural with an s. Um and and tried to send a bunch of stuff out and obviously it, it got caught through, you know, just IT catching stuff. Yeah. Um but uh you know, have two step authentication verification on your email make sure everything's encrypted make sure you have all that stuff in place when things when things are going out and it's uh um it, it is kind of interesting how how clever they get with with like you say checking that email line phone numbers off i mean i'm not gonna look at the if it looks like my email signature i'm not even you know, i'm not i'm not even gonna pay attention to right, it right it's right. It's, um, it's easy to let your guard down yeah it is it, it very much is so uh i guess we wrap all that up by saying uh, work with a local title company, right? I like <laughs> that's, it, Tim. Really I like it. It's really what it comes down to. Work with your local title company. Um, so thank you very much for being here, Brian. Really sure, appreciate I, it. I'd like to thank you just real quick. Your yeah. team is absolutely amazing. Oh, cool. Um, I'm yeah. not saying that because I'm on, on this podcast with you, but the way they treat our staff, your professionalism, we've mm-hmm. never had a closing with you where you're, you're, your borrowers are surprised or there's issues. Uh, just phenomenal. Awesome. Right yeah. on, man. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks a lot. And, uh, and uh, thanks for being here. That wraps up another episode of agentsuccesspodcast.com. Brian Cooper at Core Title. Check out Core Title for all your local title needs. That wraps up another episode of Agent Success Podcast. Remember, you can find new episodes each week at agentsuccesspodcast.com. We hope you found the insights and best practices shared today truly valuable. And if you did, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Remember, your success is a journey of learning and improvement. So let's keep hustling, thriving, and learning. Until next week, this is Tim Chase.